Welcome to the Early Childhood Intervention Family Voices podcast. We acknowledge traditional owners of the lands on which the podcast is recorded and would like to pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. The Family Voices podcast is a series of conversations with families and professionals. We hope the podcast builds on families' knowledge, skills and confidence when navigating early childhood supports. The podcast is also an opportunity for families to share their individual stories as a family with a child with a disability or developmental delay. This podcast series is brought to you by Early Childhood Intervention Australia, VicTAS. To learn more about the podcast and our organisation, please visit ekiavic.org.au. Hello and welcome everybody. My name is Simone Dudley and I'm an occupational therapist, educator and mother and it's my great pleasure today to be hosting the Family Voices podcast and I am very excited to welcome today's guest, Leanne Hill. Welcome Leanne. Hi Simone, thanks for having me along this morning. It's very exciting to have you along today and I'm indulging a little bit myself because we are friends and work colleagues. Um, How about you share the story of how we got to know each other and then we'll talk a little bit about your remarkable journey with your son. Yeah, sure. So Simone and I have known each other, gosh, um, almost seven years, I would say. That's right. So our family was previously living on Groot Island, which is a very remote island in the Gulf of Carpentaria. And I was looking for support services for my autistic ADHD son. And I connected with Simone. And since then, we've worked together on a couple of projects and we've been on a webinar together. So We've had a great professional relationship and that's developed into a friendship as well. That's terrific, Leanne. And I can vividly recall where I was the day that you called and I can remember trying to understand Groot Island and I got the map out and I thought, oh my goodness, that's incredible. This island off the tip of the Northern Territory. So how about you share a little bit about what life was like and why you were living on that island before we get started with early intervention topics? So Groot Island is a beautiful, unique location. At its widest, it's about 50 kilometres from side to side. So not a large island. It has beautiful surroundings. It's most wonderful ocean. I used to take my dog for a walk in the morning and you might see saltwater crocodiles or dolphins or sharks. It's home to the Warrandilly Aqua people and it was such a unique location to live that we were fortunate enough to learn from the local traditional owners. My son got to learn to throw a spear from the traditional owners. We got to visit amazing rock art in cave paintings My husband was up there working in a mine, so that's what took us to Groot Island. And it's a place that a lot of Australians will never visit, so I think we were really fortunate to spend six years of our life living and learning there. Incredible. And I know through working together that accessing goods and services and navigating life in a remote island Um, was 
an incredible experience. And I'd love to hear a little bit about what that might be like just on a day-to-day -day level so that we can then start to understand how hard it was for you to access services for your son. Yeah, it was very unique. Um, <laughs> obviously, we knew we were moving to an island, but it was one of those things that until you actually live on an island, you don't really understand what it's like and just how remote that experience can be. So this island there is no ferry service or anything like that. Your way on and off the island is via commercial airplanes, which weren't the most reliable. We've had several flights cancelled and changed, that sort of thing. Our services were via a barge, which was typically once a week. So parcels, that sort of thing, which you had to be pretty good at online shopping. We did have a grocery store for other things you did need to shop online so that would come once a week on a barge and then of course during cyclone season the barges might not be able to come in i always say that it was a wonderful way for me to build resilience and it was a wonderful way for me to learn how to cook from having very little supplies because if the barge hadn't come in and you'd run out of your weekly supplies you had to learn how to make something for dinner I just can't um, imagine and the stores you would have had in your pantry and the backups and at, at a really practical level, Leanne, I can remember we were actually recording a session for some research that, that you were engaged in and I can remember mid-recording your computer decided to explode and all of a sudden you then had no access via internet and so you had that moment of experiencing the geographical isolation but also that digital connectivity was then limited to your phone potentially angus's ipad until you could get your computer repaired and of course there's no store around the corner so you had to rely on that barge service to send your computer away and then have it repaired and can i can remember thinking gosh you know that's just one thing so imagine you know if you needed to have other essential day-to-day -day goods and services repaired or maintained or purchased it's quite an ordeal and you no doubt would have to be incredibly creative and patient and yeah, resilient, as you've said. Um, I'm really lucky that I'm married to a fitter and turner. He is very <laughs> resourceful. I have been his trades assistant on many occasions, pulling apart things like our dryer and that sort of thing, because if you can't fix it yourself, it's going to the tip and you are waiting to order something and barge it over or hope that someone is selling something secondhand. <laughs> you really do learn to be close with your neighbours. We had some really great neighbours there because I did have our washing machine die at one stage. So my very kind neighbours let me access their laundry whenever I needed it because I just didn't have any other option. So it is a different way of living. A different way of and living. Yeah, you do need to build some resilience. Yeah. And Leanne, so introduce your son Angus to us and then we might talk about what it was like for you with Angus on Groot Island, managing that level of isolation and yet remarkable, incredible beauty as well. Yes, so Angus, our son, is a very quick-witted, fabulous child he is autistic and adhd and 
he has been lucky enough to live in these remote locations with us, but that has meant that we've had to be creative and draw on our resources where possible to access services in towns where you don't necessarily have services available to you. On that island, we didn't have any visiting OTs or anything like that. So for us, our only option for occupational therapy was through telehealth. And we're just really lucky that that service was available to us at a time when a lot of people had never even heard of telehealth before. Mm. Yes, of course. This is well and truly pre-COVID years. And so, Leanne, you, when you were sort of accessing some services or thinking about the supports that your family and Angus might have needed, how did you go about that on Groot Island? That was a really difficult one, being new to that area. I didn't know any other people in the area who were accessing supports themselves to try to pick their brain on what supports were available. Mm. I ended up calling someone on the mainland from a support perspective to say, you know, I'm really remote. Do you know of anything that I can access, anyone who might be visiting, that sort of thing? And they were the ones who pointed me in the direction of Therapy Connect and Mm. things took off from there. So that meant, I guess, Leanne, that you might have had access to speech and occupational therapy if you needed but what about other services what other options did you try or did you need to navigate that was basically all there was available Um, at one stage there was a support worker in town which we used for a brief period of time but apart from that there weren't services that you could access so it was about accessing what we could and then just doing what we could as a family Hmm. something that was really important to me all the time when we were accessing early childhood support was parent education because at the end of the day I'm the one who's there with Angus day-to-day as a stay-at-home parent and a home educator so I need to be educated myself We also had some really wonderful, unique experiences. I've found that being in remote places in small towns, you get unique experiences that you don't get elsewhere and you find inclusion in the community in sometimes the most unlikely of places. For us, that came in the form of the local post office. There was some really lovely staff working at the post office at the time and I approached them one day and said, as a part of our home education program, could we come down and have a bit of a tour and learn a bit about how the post office works? And that was really great. They were really excited and welcoming of that opportunity, showed our son around, showed him how the mail was organized and sorted and how the parcels were released. So little things like that you don't get in big centers and that kind of inclusion where your child's strengths are recognized and supported is just fabulous. I can just imagine the mutual excitement. I'm sure that the uh, post office team really enjoyed having Angus there behind the scenes as well. 
Um, Leanne, you just disclosed homeschooling, and this is something that I also wanted to talk a little bit about. So you decided that homeschooling was for you and your family, and I'd love to hear a little bit about that and about how you formed that decision against the options that you had in place, and then what a day looked like for you on Groot Island homeschooling. Sure. So what a lot of people don't realise is home education is a legal choice in every state and territory in Australia. Just like you may choose to use a local public school, you may choose to go private, boarding school, distance education. We actually have quite a few options available to us in Australia. And home education is just another one of those legal choices that you have to choose from. We decided that was best for our son and our family. I have no disrespect to any teachers, but I just wanted something different to what the school system is able to offer. We wanted to be able to have a really tailored, individualized education experience for our son. And one of the real positives of that was the fact that, especially with the parent education that I was receiving, we were able to integrate those therapies that we were doing with professionals into our day-to-day life. So the sort of things he would be doing with speech therapy, we could flow that over into our English program. We used elements of occupational therapy throughout the whole curriculum. We learnt really easily that and quickly that our son is not a sit-down-at-a-desk type of learner. So we were able to have a really integrative experience for his education. It did look different every day. It might have been something like jumping on the trampoline as we did basic addition. It might have been using scooter boards to scoot to the letters as we broke a word up into a sound as we were learning first letter recognition and then learning how to spell. It was a really fun educational experience as well to be able to integrate those sort of occupational therapy approaches to his education. And Leanne, Angus is your only child, so you were able to focus on Angus. You seem so experienced in the way that you describe being able to confidently blend therapy into education as a mother and as the manager of the home education experience. Tell us a little bit about how you felt that you had the confidence or the skills to give this home education a go. I don't have an education background. Well, I do, technically. I have a set for trainer and assessor, but not an education background within the school system setting. I think that confidence comes from that real desire as a parent to give your child a really specific experience. So some people come to home education as a last resort. We came to it as a conscious choice. And because we were making that choice, I was going to do my best to give him the best experience that I could. So I don't have that sort of background, but I just soaked up as much information as I could as we went along and also had the confidence in myself to make mistakes. Trial and error is really important when you're home educating. 
something might work really well for six months and then things change developmentally or skill-wise, whatever it is, but what you've been doing that has been working so well isn't going to work so well anymore. So you need to have that confidence in yourself that you will try different things and you Mm. will accept that not everything will work and that that's okay, that through that trial and experimentation, that's the only way we're going to continue to find the best fit for the child that you're home educating. It's just fabulous, Leanne. Um, And I think back to when we were in our early stages of working with each other, just how dedicated you were and how committed you were as a therapy partner. And when we're working via telehealth, many people, when they're adapting to telehealth, sort of perceive that the face-to-face option maybe might lead to a stronger outcome. I'd love to hear from you about your experience because I'm pretty sure that you have tried both. And I know that because of the home education setting, ideally you were very keen to access supports where you're living with your own materials and resources. So it would be good to just talk a little bit about that, Leanne. Yeah, so as we've said already, we have moved around a bit. So that means we have lived in a big city. We have lived in small remote towns as well. So we have experienced all sorts of approaches, including your more traditional, I guess you'd say, face-to-face in-person supports. So that's what we were accessing before we moved to Groot Island. So accessing the telehealth via a video kind of link was very new for us and I found it was a very positive experience and sometimes even more positive for us than the in-person face-to-face experience because it meant that we were in the home it was where we were both comfortable we weren't wasting time spending time getting to therapy We were having less transitions between tasks because of that, because we were there and ready and set up. We did have a bit of equipment at home that we could use, especially with occupational therapy. So at one stage, I went around the house taking photos of all sorts of things. And I emailed that to you, Simone, saying, this is what we've got. This is what we can use. And then that way, if we were doing a session where it might be, we're going outside on the swing, we're going on the trampoline, we're going to get on the scooter boards, you would let me know so that we could be set up ready for that. So having those sort of things at home, which some of it was pretty standard equipment like a trampoline, some of it was more specialized equipment that we had acquired and having a laptop or using an iPad meant that we could move about the home to set that therapy up for success for our son. Amazing. And so upon reflection, because I know now you are on the mainland, so you're no longer on Groot Island, but when you reflect back to that time when you were supporting Angus with his early development, spending time with home education, managing the the therapy supports, How do you consider your experience now that you reflect back versus what might have been if you weren't so remote? I guess what I'm trying to get at is do you feel that you navigated the disadvantage to your advantage? 
Definitely. I think our family has always had the attitude of no matter where you live, there's going to be positives and negatives to that. And what you really need to focus on is those positives and making the most positive experiences possible wherever you are. I've also recognised the fact that we had a lot of flexibility, both in our education and in our therapy approach because of the way we went about it, that in some of the face-to-face therapies we had had previously with occupational therapy, it was in quite a small space without any sort of sensory gym. So we were able to really develop that sensory gym at home and add even more to that experience in that telehealth setting. I guess when you look back, you can't really compare what would be outcomes or had you gone down a different path. But I do know that no matter which way we went, we would have found the positives of it. But for us, it has been a really positive experience that we were able to build really good relationships with some of the people that we worked with and build our own skills within the family unit and carry that on in the home as well. And this just all sort of highlights, I guess, um, the possibilities, no matter the isolation that you might experience in achieving some of those best practice principles when you're thinking about accessing early childhood intervention supports. As a parent and a consumer, Leanne, what would you say are some of the features of a really successful telehealth experience for you? So for me, again, focusing on those positives because it can be easy to focus on the negatives when you are remote and just focus on the fact that you might have limited access to services. But for us, instead of thinking, oh, at this point in time, we can only access speech and OT, Instead, we went, we have access to some real high quality speech and some real high quality OT, and we are really grateful for that. So that was really good for us having a really high quality experience. Mm. Mm. And that there was that facility to really develop good relationships still. I think some people do have a bit of a fear that because you're not there in person that the relationship doesn't build. But I didn't find that at all, especially with therapists who are really open to finding out more about your child and your family and Mm. learning about your lifestyle that might be a very different lifestyle to what the therapist on the other end of the screen has. Well, you can say that again because one of my memories is me being sent a photo of Angus with a crocodile in the background <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, yeah, well, you know, you know you're know, you on Groot Island when, right? Um, Leanne, give us an update on Angus now and now that you're on the mainland, uh, share a little bit about um, service access now. Yeah, so we spent six years on Groot Island and have now moved back to our home state of Queensland. And it's really highlighted for us how telehealth can really work and how it's a great service because some of the services that we were accessing when we were on Groot Island, we are still with those same service providers now. It highlights that the grass isn't always greener, that moving to a bigger centre isn't always going to 
give you this immediate access to more supports. You might have more providers available, but they might all have really long wait lists. And for us, that transition of moving interstate went much smoother because of the fact that our son could keep seeing the same people he had been seeing for years, the same people that he had developed relationships with. So he didn't have to start again with someone new and he didn't have to wait on long waiting lists. So we're doing well being able to access different things here that we might not have had access to in that previous location, but we're also still accessing some of what we did when we were remote. Fabulous. And Angus, how's Angus going these days? He's doing well. He's growing and developing and I can't believe how quick time goes. Leanne, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. I don't know if you have any parting words of wisdom for anybody listening out there who might be finding themselves in a situation where it's hard to access um, therapy supports because of geographic or other isolation drivers. The main thing I would say is use whatever networks you have. So I know at times I've contacted you and said, I'm looking for a particular thing either for myself or for my son. Can you put me in the right direction of anyone you might know? It's just Putting those feelers out there, the worst that you can find is someone says, I'm not sure about that. The best you can find is another great relationship. Also that the relationships that you have that might be distance can still really work in person. I know there was a time where you wrote a document for me to help Angus in accessing community sports and other services. So even though you weren't there with us, you supported us for him to access things in person. So just build up those relationships where you can put your hand up and ask people. It can be really daunting to do that, but you can find some really positive supports. I would never have found the services that we accessed had I not have made that initial phone call and said, help, I need to find someone. Yeah, and I think often as workers in the sector, you might not have all the answers, but you might know someone who you can also ask. And I think that's the case is is that we all love to see positive outcomes. And so it's been a great pleasure to be able to link you in with people who hopefully might have helped you along the way in ways that I couldn't. But it's nevertheless been a great story, Leanne. And the idea of accessing services when you're so remote has been great. Um, I think we've both learned a lot from each other along the journey so I thank you for that. There's more to this story though and I just would like to sort of set a teaser out there for listeners that we're going to soon hear again from Leanne who will share her story of her own journey with the recent diagnosis herself so we'll save that for the next episode. Thank you very much for joining us today Leanne. Thanks for having me Simone. Just a wonderful story shared by Leanne, describing how her family navigated living in such an extremely remote location whilst navigating therapy supports and establishing some education for their son, Angus. For me, it was an incredible story of how one person can accept circumstances and look to the positives 
and leverage some creativity and thinking outside the square to really help you achieve what your family goals are. In terms of best practice principles, the key themes that jumped out at me were family-centred practice and strengths-based practice in a child's natural environment. Being able to leverage the community the post office, what an incredible story, thinking and imagining Angus behind the counter and building relationships with his local community members. I really enjoyed how Leanne said that no matter where you live, there will be advantages and disadvantages. And it was very important for her to focus on the positives. And I think this highlighted uh, in Leanne's mind, the positives were the flexibility of her day-to-day -day routines. Also, teamwork played a significant role in Leanne's story, and you can hear how important it was for Leanne to identify the right people in her team. So together, Leanne created a team, even though the team lived vastly long distances apart, they were able to collaborate and work with Leanne, build knowledge of local routines and context that Leanne could then also weave those strategies in the daily routines that she participated in with Angus. I think what highlights the importance of teamwork the best for me was that when Leanne described that the family did relocate and she was able to take some of those key providers and those key relationships that had been built up over time with her because of the flexibility of the model that she had been able to establish. So Leanne, thank you very much for sharing your remarkable story of accessing supports and services from an extremely remote location, which has given us all something to really think about. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Early Childhood Intervention Family Voices. Make sure you subscribe to your podcast app and feel free to leave a review to help us gain more understanding of what type of conversations are helpful to you. More information about this podcast can be found on ekiavic.org.au. Until next time, thank you for listening.